Hello, and welcome to a more perfect podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about election integrity. More specifically, about the 2020 election. Now, I've said before, I don't believe that there was enough voter fraud to overturn the election. In recent months, though, that stance has grown more and more nuanced. And I hope to explain that here. Now, I feel like I am also in the minority of minorities here. I mean, I voted early for Donald Trump. I'm a big Trump supporter. And yet, I don't believe that election fraud tilted the election. It's a really complex stance to be in. In addition to that, to make me even more of an oddball, so to speak, I think that the people that think the election was rigged were right. And I'm saying rigged very, very specifically here. But I also think the people that think the election was stolen via election fraud, again, using my words very specifically, the people that think the election was stolen via fraud were wrong. And to make things even more confusing, I think that the people that believe the election was secure I think that they were right. So basically, what I'm trying to say is, the people that think it was rigged were correct. The people that think the election was secure were also correct. Now, how can this be? So, we have a what's seemingly a paradox in our hands in the sense that two diametrically opposed stances on election integrity and the validity of the 2020 election are said to both be true at once. I believe this, and I'm going to explain it in this episode, as well as why I don't believe that election fraud shifted this election. Okay, so let's get into this. So, to understand from a neutral, objective-based perspective, the people that believe in voter fraud, you must understand the background, the context, you could say, of those people who believe. There must be some grounding for their beliefs. I mean, of course there is. There's always grounding for all beliefs. For instance, when somebody is a racist, when somebody is an anti-Semitic, those kind of awful stances, they're rooted, among other things, primarily in a sense of insecurity, right? Uh, Putting it even more bluntly, a bully is usually insecure. So, not to say that the people that believe in election fraud are insecure losers, no. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just demonstrating that you need to understand the root of the belief to understand how people, so many people, millions of people, think that the election was stolen. Okay, what is the context for the belief in voter fraud? Well, there's actually a lot. So, the first thing I'm going to talk about is... The institutions that we relied upon to vote in the 2020 election were not politically neutral. How can you trust your vote? How can you even begin to trust your vote if the people that are handling your vote once you turn it in are not politically neutral? How can you trust it? You can't. You really can't. So this takes us to the end of October. and In the end of October, there was this news story that came out that was about United States Postal Service workers all across the country were being charged with dumping ballots as they performed these long extra shifts before Election Day. 
because there's a again there's a bunch of mail in ballots this election it's the coronavirus everybody knows that by now so these postal service workers are evident of the fact that our institutions that we relied upon the vote are not neutral so in Kentucky there was this worker whose name is Deshaun Boger he was working in Louisville Kentucky and he was charged with delay or destruction of mail which fun fact it's it's not a light charge at all I mean there's a $250,000 fine and five years in prison associated with this charge okay it is very very serious anyways so what did this guy do he took a bunch of mail and he dumped it in a construction dumpster and among this mail was approximately 111 general election absentee ballots from the Jefferson County Clerk's Office being mailed to voters to be filled out this is really bad anybody could see why this is not a good thing because Postal service workers, they see on the envelope that, hey, this is a general election ballot. Then they're going to know that they're delivering politically sensitive information. They may not be able to open the envelope. There are quite a few security measures in place. Among them, some of them have double double envelopes, uh, signature matching. I know that was a thing in Georgia. So, so there, there's security measures in place, but they can see that these are this is politically sensitive information the point is that the postal service worker was politically motivated to throw these things away beyond the shadow of a doubt it's not because he's a disgruntled employee otherwise he would have quit before that otherwise why wouldn't he just do something else to get fired or not show up to his job you know there's a lot of ways to quit your job no this was politically motivated beyond a shadow of a doubt. How can you trust the Postal Service if things like this are happening with the people that you give your ballot to? But it wasn't just this guy in Kentucky. There was also another incident in Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania, in Pittsburgh, Sean Trosech and James McGlinnigan were charged with two separate criminal complaints. Again, the same charge, you know, delay or destruction of mail. Trosach in particular was spotted taking mail from the rear of his vehicle and placing it into trash bags and then he places the trash bags outside of his home to dispose of them so the garbage truck will come and pick it up pick up those bags full of mail and you know put them at the dump where they're non-recoverable well somebody spotted him doing it and the post office receives a complaint about his activity FBI agents come to the home and they find nine black trash bags. Do you know how much mail that is? That's a whole lot of mail. That's nine black trash bags of mail, okay? Have been placed on the curb for, for the scheduled garbage pickup on Monday morning. The mail inside was significant. So among other things that this postal worker was carrying were 1,311 political advertisements or similar types of campaign mail. And then there was one application in there requesting the delivery of a mail-in ballot. The bags, thank God, did not include any actual mail-in ballots like the first incident in Kentucky. But it shows you something else. It shows you that it's not just ballots that they're after. It's they're, they're after a wide swath of politically sensitive things. 
right? If they were just after ballots, that would be one thing. That would honestly be enough to not trust the institution. This is hypersensitivity to politically sensitive male. The institutions, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this again and again, probably throughout this episode, the institutions that we relied upon to vote in the 2020 election were not politically neutral, or at least the bureaucracy of those institutions, effectively the people that make up the institution itself, in this case, the United States Postal Service workers, were not politically neutral. They were taking a side here, and this needs to be noted. This undermines the entire process of election integrity. How do you know? Again, how do you know where your ballot's going to go? It's not just the institutions that we relied upon, though. So there's more root for this belief in election fraud. Because you can't just dismiss people, as I said in my uh, episode about the Capitol riot. You can't just dismiss people out of hand saying, oh, you know, uh, Professor... Jim Bob said this, and uh, you're wrong because you're just an idiot Trump supporter. No, that's how you get things like January 6th, is you don't listen to people, you don't hear them out, and you don't take them seriously, okay? No one lended those people an ear. Eventually, they were angry enough to do what they did. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that it was inevitable. Because nobody listened. I don't just mean repeated talking points. I mean sit down and understand. So that being said, there's more root to this belief. The, the other real underlying logic to believing in election fraud on a wide scale is something that you've probably never heard before. I mean, like like Fox News doesn't talk about this. Uh, Daily Wire doesn't talk about this. I've, I've, I, I had never seen this. I found this, and it was probably like one of the best things I've ever seen. This actually comes from Europe, believe it or not. It's the fact that 89% of European democracies banned absentee voting to resident citizens, while 100% require photo ID for any form of voting to prevent targeted fraud. In addition, in Europe, ballot integrity procedures and laws are part of every single modern democracy to ensure that you can trust it. I will link this paper by the Crime Prevention Research Center. And, and also, it's, it's, it's really funny because you hear a lot of people on the left will talk about Norway, they'll talk about Denmark, they'll talk about all these Europe, these Scandinavian countries and Europe um, more generally, but they'll never talk about the election process in Europe. You've got to pay attention when talking to these leftists and to the people that believe that America is a very, very bad place. You've got to pay attention to what they don't talk about. And it's the same thing with the media, I've found. If they're talking about healthcare one day, you need to look at the border. Or if they're talking about a $15 per hour minimum wage, look at what's happening with the Middle East or with any other issue. 
than what they're talking about because it will probably undercut their previous narrative or their narrative about it. I I can't say it happens all the time, but I'm going to say that they aren't going to cover something that are, isn't going to align with what they say. So whatever they're talking about, look behind it. You know, look behind the mirror of what they're trying to show you and you might see something, right? This is blatant evidence for the fact that mail-in ballots can't be trusted. And it's also supporting the argument that we need voter ID in this country to ensure the integrity of elections. I don't care what they say, because it's total crap, about voter ID being a form of voter suppression. Again, because it's total crap. European democracies require photo ID for, for any form of voting to prevent fraud? Are you kidding me? There's a reason why they don't talk about this and they only talk about generally about healthcare um, and, and other issues when they point to Europe. There's a reason. This is a big, big red flag that, that really challenged my beliefs about what happened in the election. Europe, all these Europeans, they can't be wrong. I mean, there's there, there's a lot of problems with pointing out universal healthcare and adopting a Nordic model for that. As, as well as a bunch of other things politically in Europe. But as far as election procedures, it's really a different ball game versus other policy issues that we are concerned with in politics, right? This is a serious red flag, along with the institutions. I would say I would say the institutions are the larger one, but this is this is something that a lot of people don't know about Europe. It's 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 like this it's like this banned fact about Europe is their election procedures. So again, I'm going to link it all um, in my source notes. You can find them by swiping up and it's a pay spin link. And you can see every single thing that I read to make this episode. I link it all there if you want to check it out. It's in the episode description. Just to sum up what I just said, those two things, among a lot of other things, are the root beliefs of somebody that believes in election fraud. Why do they? Why would you even begin to believe in election fraud? That's why. European democracies ban bail-in voting and the institutions can't be trusted, okay? That lays the ground. Okay, so let's get even more specific than just, okay, you know, these things make an untrustworthy environment, but in reality, an untrustworthy environment doesn't, it only creates the opportunity for fraud. It doesn't necessarily mean that there is going to be fraud or that there is going to be a bad situation. I feel like that's perfectly obvious to anyone who, who thinks about it. I mean, just because it's a thunderstorm doesn't mean lightning is going to strike next to your house, light the tree on fire and, you know, burn the whole forest down. Okay. It's just, there's, there's a chance of it happening. Sure. But it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. So let's get more specific. The Federalist has a fantastic article on a bunch of irregularities specific to the 2020 election. So I'm just going to list them off here. Biden got 80 million votes. This is more than the votes that Barack Obama got. The first black president. This is more votes than he got by a long shot. This is this man who stayed in his basement the entire campaign. And don't give me that crap about how he he ran a different campaign and he adhered to COVID safety guidelines. Well, if he did run a different campaign, if he did run an online campaign, then obviously 
his online campaign wasn't that effective because if you look at the viewership of Trump's live streams versus the viewership of Biden's live streams or the viewership of Biden's interviews, which were recorded by all the mainstream media because obviously they're Democratic hacks, you see a vast, vast engagement difference in likes, dislikes, views, anything, comments. There is vastly more people interested in Trump stuff versus interested in Biden stuff. So if you're going to say, well, he ran a different campaign, bro, and like, uh, uh, that, that, that's why he was in his basement. It doesn't make sense because still, if he gets 80 million votes without holding a single rally and holding a crappy online campaign, as evidenced by his viewership, how can you say he got 80 million votes? It's just unfriggin' believable. Furthermore, Biden became president despite losing most of the bellwether counties. Donald Trump picked up 18 out of 19 bellwether counties. Biden lost. He was the first president in 60 years to lose the states of Ohio and Florida on his way to election. The Federalist says that for a century, those states, Ohio and Florida, have constantly predicted the national outcome and they've been roughly representative of the American melting pot as a whole. Even more so, national polling gave Biden a lead in both states. Now, what they don't tell you in the Federalist is that his lead in Florida was basically neck and neck with Trump. He loses Ohio by eight points. And he lost Florida by a whopping three percentage points. That's that's a large margin if you're going to ever talk about a close election or a polling as the neck and neck. Three points is a friggin' blowout in Florida. Okay, so the last point I'm going to make is that the Cook Political Report and the New York Times rated 27 House of Representatives seats as toss-ups. And Republicans won all 27 of them. So these Republicans are winning all the House seats up for re-election, right? Biden won despite the Democrats losing all of these representative seats. Um, Democrats also failed to flip a single state House chamber, while Republicans flipped both the House and the Senate in New Hampshire, and they expanded their dominance of state legislatures across the country. So Democrats are losing down the ballot by huge numbers, and yet... Biden won. But wait, it doesn't stop there. So there's this incredibly well-researched document called the Navarro Report. It's 36 pages long, chock full of making the case for voter fraud. I skimmed through it myself, and uh, there, there's some juicy stuff in there. Uh, some, some alleged claims about the 2020 election. Specifically in Georgia, contrary to state law, the Secretary of State entered into a consent decree with the Democrat Party, again, the institutions are not politically neutral, entered into this consent decree with the Democrat Party that weakens signature matching to just one verification instead of two. In Georgia, they have a double signature match, and they tacked it down by this decree to just one signature match. So you look at signature one, and you say, eh, it looks legit, and then you don't have another person look at it. And thus, that change called into question more than 1.2 million mail-in ballots. Obviously, this is far, far greater by the hundreds of thousands than the margin between Trump and Biden. Now, I want to say something about Georgia really quick. You'll never convince me, ever convince me, that Biden won 
Georgia. You you can't do it, man. It it, it is impossible. I don't care. Um, there was there was a bunch of people out there whooping and cheering Stacey Abrams, the failed Democrat candidate for governor. I've talked about her in previous episodes that she laid the groundwork for a Democrat victory in Georgia. No, she didn't. I've been to Georgia myself. They are not Democrats. They are not Democrats at all. Biden did not win Georgia. That is that is one among other concessions that I make to the people that believe in voter fraud. Because the along with my superstitions about Georgia, the, there's some things that I really just can't explain. And, and I'll I'll go into those later. But point being in Georgia, there was some signature matching malfeasance going on. And it wasn't just in Georgia. Nevada, Wisconsin, other states did this too. Another security measure which was abused was the outer envelope thing. So some ballots were secured in double envelopes to ensure that they weren't tampered with. Well, ballots in one envelope lacking the outer envelope are called naked ballots. And these naked ballots are not supposed to be counted as legitimate and they're supposed to be thrown out and then the constituent gets a new ballot and they send it in correctly so it can be counted to ensure that it's not tampered with all right the, all, all that stuff is pretty straightforward well in pennsylvania they illegally accepted naked ballots but it gets even worse because the pennsylvania supreme court rejected that they could do this when it, when they were advised to do it by the secretary of state in pennsylvania who's a registered Democrat, by the way. And the Pennsylvania Supreme Court ruled him down, and then the Secretary of State, who's again a registered Democrat, refused to issue new guidance. So they just basically ignored the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. They ignored it. Ballots were also accepted without postmarks. They were backdated at the post office. They would cross out, like, ballots being sent in after November 3rd that were postmarked after November 3rd weren't supposed to be counted. Well, they changed the postmarks, allegedly. Poll watchers weren't able to see the voting count process. Now, this is, an, this is another concession because this is just objectively true that poll watchers, and, and it wasn't a partisan thing. It was bipartisan. Democrat and Republican poll watchers were kept at a far, far distance from the counters. We deserve to see our elections take place. We deserve to see them counting. How can you really know when... It's not observed. This is just egregious what they did. I remember this one thing in, um, I, I think it was Philadelphia, where they literally just plastered up the windows so the poll watchers couldn't see. It was just disgusting. And then there was another thing in Philadelphia where they kept them like 12 feet away, Supreme Court intervened, and then they said, okay, six feet away. But the thing about the room was, it was arranged in such a way where you couldn't really see past the first row. And so it's like, what the heck are we doing here, you know? It's like, this is just, this is totally not what I, not what I intended when I said we need to be moved closer. It's, it's, it's completely ridiculous. This, the, 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 the malfeasance that they put towards the poll watchers in the 2020 was just awful. It was just awful. And now I'm not saying that this is just necessarily a proof of fraud. No, just because there's a bad situation doesn't mean that there's fraud. It just means that there's an opportunity for it. All right. I know it may irritate some people just say, dude, look at what they're doing. Can you really trust these people? And I say, 
No, I can't. I agree with you. However, I need to see it. I need to see it with my own eyes. I need to know it beyond the shadow of a doubt. Otherwise, who am I to say that it actually happened? I think there's a really important point here, which is that people need to realize that in politics, in particular, just because there is an opportunity for something to happen does not mean it actually happened. Just because there is a really, really corrupt system or a really, really fishy situation does not necessarily mean that those things happened. But as political conjectures go, we like to say, okay, they did this, 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 then they must have necessarily done this. They like to say that, oh, you're changing the rules for the environment, thus you necessarily want to pollute the rivers with toxins. Okay, no, that's not what I'm doing, but I am changing the environmental regulations. So you, you can see how this gets very, very nitty-gritty here. You got to get really nitty-gritty with this stuff. Otherwise, you're going to miss a bunch of stuff. And, and that's what I like to do here is just get really, really down in the dirt with it, so to speak. And just, just to say it again in another way, opportunity does not equal necessity. Just because there was an opportunity for fraud does not mean that there was actual fraud. Okay, that being said, you, you can check out the Navarro Report in the link in the description if you'd like to check it out. All, the, all those things that came from the Navarro Report, it's, it's very extensive and it's, it's really, really good reading if you'd like to understand more about the voter fraud. So, after that, I went to some of my friends, right? Because some of my friends, who are Trump supporters as well, they believed in voter fraud. And th they gave me these rationales. So, they said that the popular vote numbers were greater than the number of registered voters. So, this would imply that there was a bunch of illegal voting and thus fraud. They said that some states have over 100% turnout. That the media is suspiciously playing cover-up across the spectrum, which I would have to honestly agree with. They would say historical numbers and precedent don't match the selection result. That was covered when I went over the Federalist article. They also talk about the down-ballot sweep-out as far as the Republicans versus Democrats. They say that there is corruption in the USPS. That's also true. They say that you, you really can't trust these people. And they, they also say that there are no actual studies to confirm that Democrats would vote more heavily by mail. The margin, the, they look at the margin of victory between voting on election day and voting, or the votes that were cast on election day and the votes that were cast via mail and ballots. And they say that the suspicion is that the margin of votes via mail-in ballots is extremely large. And that's, that's super fishy because of just how extreme and how bloated the mail-in ballot turnout was. Now, there are reasons for this, as I'm about to get into, but those, among other things, are some of the rationale for believing in voter fraud. All right, so one last thing about believing in voter fraud before I move on to why I don't believe in voter fraud I, would, I just want to go over everything because 
I'm almost at 30 minutes now talking about why people believed in voter fraud. And I just want to do a quick recap here of what I just said. All right, so these are the reasons why somebody would believe that the election was fraudulent. The poll watchers weren't allowed to watch the ballots being counted. The postmarks on the actual ballots were switched. Naked ballots, meaning ballots in one envelope instead of two as required by law, were counted. The signature matching systems were abused and only one signature match was counted versus the two which were required. There were down-ballot inconsistencies. Republicans won a whole bunch of House of Representatives seats, whereas Democrats won nothing, and they still win the presidency? That's really suspicious. 80 million votes is also suspicious. A man with Alzheimer's who ran an ineffective online campaign and a joke of a in-real-life campaign getting 80 million votes. Are you kidding me? It raises a lot of doubt. There was also a consent decree in Pennsylvania where they ignored the Pennsylvania Supreme Court's advice and continued to count ballots that shouldn't have been counted. More generally speaking, there was so much potential for fraud. There was so much potential for dishonesty in this election that the people that have been preaching to us who are already untrustworthy, namely the media and the left, to use, to use Fox News terms, the people that have been preaching to us already untrustworthy are given an incredibly ripe field to plant seeds of fraud in the election. The media was playing cover-up. This is, again, there's that distrust in all of the institutions that make up our American life. Well-founded mistrust, mind you. This, the numbers were just unbelievably in favor, and everybody just went along with it in the media. There was no questioning it. It was just like it happened, and it was just any other regular election. At least that's what they wanted you to believe. These things are important to understand because we have to understand why somebody would believe in these things if we're going to say, no, I don't. You can't critique something without knowing it. If you haven't looked at the material, if you haven't done the necessary studying to understand the issue, then how are you supposed to speak on the issue in a competent manner? You can't. Maybe you didn't believe in voter fraud and now you do believe in voter fraud because of what I said. Well, good for you. Hopefully you'll change your mind again because I'm about to go over my reasons for, despite everything I just said, not believing that voter fraud was prominent enough to influence the result of the 2020 election. After recording this entire thing, I realized that it's better listened to in a two-part format. The entire episode came out to over an hour in length, and to me, that's just not comfortable to be listened to in one sitting. So I split it up into two episodes. The next episode is going to be why I don't believe in voter fraud despite everything, why I have to make some concessions to the people that do believe in voter fraud, because there really is some unexplainable things, and last but not least, the answer to the paradox as to why I simultaneously believe that 
the election was rigged, and that it was secure. All that in the next episode. So stay tuned. Have a more perfect day.